When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Tonight, we are returning to a story that's been on quite a few people's minds quite often, quite recently. Several weeks ago, a guy that you've probably heard about, Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of a group called Wagner, appears to have died in an airplane explosion north of Moscow. You can see all sorts of analysis about it, as well as a chilling announcement by Vladimir Putin, still president of Russia. As a matter of fact, can we play the video? Can we play a clip of this? Have you guys heard this guy? Let's do it. A man with a complex destiny. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. So, Ben, uh, just, just to for a little clarity around the clip, is this post-attempted coup? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is sure after, after the unfortunate airplane expedition. You know, uh, Vladimir Putin, current president of Russia, comes out and says, I've known Yevgeny Prigozhin for a very long time, since the 90s. He was a man with a complicated fate. He made serious mistakes in life. It's kind of mm. cold, as yeah. eulogies go. I, I think that's why I was confused, because it didn't even seem like a eulogy. And it also, you off, off mic, you skipped through a whole bunch of other stuff before you even got to the slight mention. So it's like really kind of a footnote. Very cold. Yeah. Yeah, but we, guys, what do you say about a guy that just tried to leave a mutiny against you when that person dies? Uh, I liked him. 
<laughs> you know, what do you say? Right. Eh, this jerk tried to overthrow my government. You know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Earlier, we'd speculated on the many rumors surrounding the alleged death or various death theories of Prigozhin and his top men at Wagner. But tonight's episode is asking, what happens next? The king is dead. What happens to the kingdom? Here are the facts. Uh, we need to give a quick recap on Wagner uh, in, in general, because a lot of times I think people in the West hear the phrase Wagner and they think like it's a battalion of the Russian military or something like that, but it's a lot closer to Blackwater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's something that people I think in the West weren't hearing about at all for many years. I mean, it's really acted as kind of like, I think Ben, the term that you've used in the past is sort of shadow military, you know, for Russia, uh, for a lot longer than this conflict has been uh, at, at play. And these most recent kind of uh, hiccups in the relationship, let's just say, right? Agreed. Yeah. I, Wagner is a private military contractor or PMC. And like you said, Noel, for a long time, it was a de facto shadow army for Russia, similar to, for instance, Blackwater. Oh, wait, Matt, sorry. Is it Z, XE? Oh, wait, is it Academi? Oh, hang on. Is it Constellus? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all of those. Yeah, yeah. But private military contractors uh, became famous, or at least a known thing. The, that phrase became a known thing in the U.S. during the Afghanistan war, uh, or whatever they want to call it, the war in Afghanistan, when we invaded Afghanistan uh, as a country, United States. Uh, we learned about Blackwater. Then we learned about, you know, operations in Iraq and other countries that maybe we shouldn't have been operating in, where private military contractors went in and did some operations, again, on other countries' soil while they were operating in a place where the U.S. military is officially operating. Um, just some weird stuff has happened. We've, we also saw stuff like that back during the Vietnam War, right? When Laos and other countries were, you know, there was activity going on when it really wasn't supposed to be. This is, what I'm saying is that is what you can kind of do with a private military military contractor like the the Wagner group. You can have them do some things that are maybe they it would be an international incident if, let's say, the official Russian army was taking part in actions in parts of Africa. A hundred percent. Oh, man. So well put. Uh, Wagner is also common misconception in the West. Wagner is also a group of private entities operating under one name. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the Portuguese man of war is essentially a colony of independent, very small organisms functioning as a super colony that <laughs> appears like one organism from far away. Yeah. Sort of like the human, the human being is a combination, complex combination of cells and, and biomes all of that good stuff. Uh, this one just happens to be one that, in this particular case, is very specifically serving the interests of, of, of Russia uh, up until, you know, the whole coup thing, um, <laughs> which was weird. And I think the reason all of this still perplexes me, where I'm like, 
you know, we we even conjectured, I think, with Jake Hanrahan, where it was sort of like, could it have been a manufactured thing? You know, there's so many questions around that it was just real weird. And then this guy's plane gets, well, we don't know if it was shot. We didn't, we don't have evidence of that, I don't believe yet, but falls out of the sky. And another thing we talked about with Jake Hanrahan was uh, the, the, <laughs> the seeming issues with gravity that opponents of Vladimir Putin tend to face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they face to, them head on, usually. To me, when this news popped, I think probably to all of us, we were much more inclined to be like, oh, yeah, that wasn't manufactured. <laughs> that guy was was doing a thing, and uh, and Putin popped him out of the sky. Um, or did he? <laughs> we'll get into some of that, that yeah. side of it, too. But God, this stuff is, is greasy, as uh, Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys would say. <laughs> love it. Love it. Also, uh, check out the sea shanty that Trailer Park Boys did. Uh, it's all about cats. It's very good. Uh, so <laughs> like we talked about in our previous primer episode on Wagner, before all this went out, before these conspiracies came to fruition, these Wagner guys, they get into all kinds of hijinks. You know, they got international notoriety in the Donbass war back in 2014, 2015. And since that point, they have been involved in multiple coups and civil wars across the continent of Africa in the Middle East. They fought in Sudan, Mali, Mozambique. And what they're doing in those situations is exerting Russian influence and interest by proxy. They are resource extracting and force projecting. As, as we established earlier, Wagner in its heyday got a percentage of VIG of every resource uh, when they interfered or when they, excuse me, interceded in yeah. a country's activity. Oh, exactly. They're getting their cut. Uh, just to clarify there, the Donbass war, if, if you're not aware, is the conflict between Russia and Ukraine that started back in 2014, as you said, Ben. And that is really one of the things that has just kind of continued when there were separatists inside Ukraine that were, you know, uh, at least according to the best knowledge that we have, they're Russian supported operating inside Ukraine. And then large conflicts started there. And then the Wagner group came in to kind of fill in what a military would do. hundred mm, percent. Yeah. And, and Wagner was also up until quite recently, a cult of personality Uh, Similar to Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now, the followers of Prigozhin uh, treated him like a real-life Colonel Kurtz or like Judge Holden, probably one of the best villains in American literature. Check out Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. They they treated Prigozhin as though he could do no wrong, and internal tensions arose. The Russian Ministry of Defense was beefed up with Prigozhin for a long time, eventually it boiled over, and uh, what you were referencing earlier, Noel, Wagner marched on Moscow unsuccessfully, and for a short time, for like 23 hours around June 24th, 2023, and if you look back now, analysts will overwhelmingly say, by hook or by crook, this is what led to Prigozhin's aircraft accident yeah and and as we said before allegedly it began because a wagner group 
uh, what I don't know what you'd call it, a a group of Wagners were uh, <laughs> were were allegedly attacked by the Russian military, either accidentally or purposefully, which then led them to march on Moscow. So this just who knows exactly what happened. Though those are the reports we have access to. You know, it makes me think of uh, I, w- I was just listening to our earlier episode on controlling the future via controlling the past. And Matt, you brought up this excellent group name for historians. What was it, Noel? It was an argumentation of history. That's not my idea. That was the author I cited. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I mean, again, it's all about perspective. Uh, and, and and as we've started to see much more and more in these days, it starts to feel a little more 1984-ish by the day in terms of like what is objective truth. That at some point leaves perspective behind entirely and it becomes just like which fabrication have you decided to throw your lot in with you know Mm. so maybe uh on that note maybe you can help us out fellow conspiracy realist what is the correct group name uh for some wagner boys is it a mutiny of wagner's (laughs) i don't think uh i don't think old vp would like that one uh let's give you the official story of what happens According to Russia's emergency ministry, Prigozhin and company die in an airplane crash on August 23rd, 2023. We did a strange news piece uh, immediately after. Uh, He was in a relatively small plane en route from Moscow to St. Petersburg. Uh, There were only 10 people on the plane, seven Wagner, two pilots, one flight attendant, because there's always an innocent bystander. And like right off the rip, we even have, you know, opposing versions of the stories to that. Some people saying it didn't make sense for him to be back on the way to St. Petersburg. His interests were in Africa. You know, he he like and there was, I believe, an incident in the past where a plane went down that he was on the manifest for. uh, But then he turned up, you know, all well and good later. So this is like these are tactics. There's reason to disbelieve the official narrative, not to mention the fact that we're never going to see a independent investigation investigation of any of this stuff, you know, um, folks with the, the Russian government uh, have said that they've done DNA, right? DNA mm-hmm. samples or whatever. Kind of eye roll, you know? Well, it's so weird because, and we're going to get into this, guys, but just to point out there, you may have seen, as you're listening to this, if you're searching through, there are reports of him showing up other places in the world alive today as we're recording this episode. So, Just like Tupac, it's, it's so similar. Um, yeah, but let's let's keep going. I guess the point here, just to put like a little bow on it, I guess, is that when you have a government that is inherently. Uh, siloing information just by their very nature it makes these kinds of conspiracy theories just it gives them a lot more air a lot more room to grow and breathe yeah i think yeah agreed our uh so we saw that everyone in the world every credible source in the world assumed this aircraft accident was not a random malfunction initial reports claimed that the plane was shot down by Russian air defense, and that came from Wagner itself. Western intelligence later looked at this and said, uh, they probably weren't shot down because we sort of, you know, follow the missiles. Uh, They said there was an explosion aboard the craft. And to your point, Prigozhin is a sneaky, sneaky boy. 
or he was, uh, he was a little rascal. So a lot of credible <laughs> analysts thought it would be possible or not outside of the realm of possibility that he had faked his own demise. And later the Russian government did appear to confirm his death through genetic testing. They claimed that according to their forensics, the identities of all 10 people on the craft had been established and all 10 of them corresponded to someone published on the flight manifest. So the next question is who ordered this explosion? We mentioned this earlier. I love this. I think you should leave now. A hot dog car crashes through the store. There's a guy in a hot dog costume saying it could be any one of us. We got to find out who did this, though. (laughs) Well, you know, and and, and to to your point, Ben, with that clip that you play where Putin just kind of casually drops a tiny little mention of, of this incident. Uh, there are some in the media, you know, or analysts, I guess, uh, especially like there's, there's quite a few Russian journalists who maybe don't quite toe the party line who have actually been exiled and like live in Germany. And um, I kind of so I should have written down the names, but I, I saw some interviews with a few of them who were saying that is an example of Putin basically saying, yeah, I did this without saying, yeah, I did this. And that it's his way of like he does this kind of stuff all the time while not openly acknowledging it or admitting it. He kind of wants people to think he did it, even if maybe they didn't find his body. It's in his best interest to think that they, for people to think that he did it. Yeah. Anything that makes him scarier. Right. Not only mm-hmm. to the to his enemies, but to people who have to follow orders from him. That's probably a great thing for him, or at least he perceives it as such. And, you know, <laughs> oh, man, I had a whole point about this. The, oh, Prigozhin didn't just have enemies in Russia, even though he was pretty much fighting for them. He had enemies, you know, in Ukraine and all of the people who are allied to defend Ukraine now, all the NATO countries and the U.S. So, I mean, a soldier of fortune is not someone who's exactly known for their, you know, stand up attitude and then like and uh, steadfastness. You know, there's someone who will basically work for whoever is the highest bidder in exchange for cash, capital, assets. You know, I mean, this is not someone that cares about making friends. Yeah. Also, uh, SOF doesn't have a very long shelf life. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, right now, the current running theories for the demise of Prigozhin are a direct order from Vladimir Putin, a possible third party leveraging the chaos. To your point, Matt, this would be a <laughs> this would be an opportunity um, or an act by one of Prigozhin's many many internal enemies. The thing that gallows humor here. The thing that is amazing and cracks me up right now is that absolutely no one is pretending it was an accident. Everyone is in who done it mode automatically. There's no way. The time, it just doesn't know. There's no, but also not to mention, and I can't remember if, if, if we mentioned this quite yet. Uh, everybody else that was on that plane, besides the unfortunate um, presence of the flight attendant, they were all high ups in the organization too. So it was like a kind of a one shot kill for like some serious muscle in terms of leadership in, in, yeah. in Wagner. But see, yeah. that's, this is why it's the perfect thing, guys, because it is, it is plausible that a plane crashes. That happens. Planes crash. They do. Small private planes do crash. Coincidences, though, man. They they're never they're never coincidences. I know, but that but that's the that's the messed up perfect thing. What are we gonna do about it? 
What is anybody going to do about it? Planes crash, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I, I believe, you know, they were saying it was too high to have been shot down by like a shoulder mounted weapon of some kind, like a like a rocket launcher or something. Uh, it could have been what you were saying, Ben, some kind of anti-aircraft situation. But I think the prevailing theory might be that it was some sort of device on the plane right. itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The West is thinking uh, onboard explosive sabotage. Right which means the timer was either activated in the air, remotely activated, or the time the clock started ticking around liftoff, uh, all three of which are plausible. Or we got ourselves a gremlin situation. Well, maybe. That's entirely plausible. Could have been a gremlin on the plane. But do you guys remember um, back in April, in Strange News, we talked about a Russian vlogger that was killed uh, while in a, it wasn't it a Wagner bar or something? And a woman brought in an explosive device, yes. handed it to the guy, and yeah. it ended up exploding and killing him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was in St. Petersburg. Well, no one's going to accuse human forces of creativity nor originality. But the, uh, you know, like, this is where we're at, you know, and that's an excellent precedent to set there, Matt. There you have it, folks. The head of an enormously dangerous, at times rogue, mercenary military force just left the big chessboard, but all the soldiers remain after the leader's demise. What happens to them? You know, what will become of Russia's army? It's kind of like asking, what happens to Coca-Cola when all the people with the secret recipe ride the same plane and die? We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors. And then we'll dive in. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. Yes, the Wagner folks, the name brand might change, but they're still going to be around. Armies are a lot like a snowball, a lot like an avalanche. There's an inertia, right? Once something gets going, it is incredibly difficult to stop it. You can change the name. Right. Oh, no. Now we're Constellus. We're so different. Now we're Xfinity, whatever. But you you can cut off the head. You can fire or kill the leadership. You can make all sorts of, you know, little paperwork laws restricting saying the name, but you cannot unteach the skills. You cannot remove the experience. It is incredibly difficult, virtually impossible to keep an eye on every small group or loan operator that sets up shop afterwards. Dude, I was just reading about, uh, again, the coups in Africa, and we, we talked about that recently, and just about the splitting of militaries in several African countries. I think it was Niger, I want to say. Yeah. Um, specifically, I was reading about, oh, I don't think it was, but it was a um, it was a recent coup where it was two factions of the military itself that split apart. And there were two leaders. One of them is running like a special forces kind of group. And then the other one is the official, you know, military of the country's leader. And they are the two factions that are fighting each other. Um, and so it's just, it's reminding me of that, Ben, where, you, as you're saying, like, once you, once you create a military group that is cohesive and together, it is going to stick around. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't unteach guerrilla tactics you know what i mean people are gonna remember it uh and and matt to your point i i need to bone up on this it could be niger it could be uh mali it could be a number of other countries it's pretty pretty deep water at this point there were so many oh maybe it was chad i can't remember it's always chad man there's chads (laughs) chadding around (laughs) there's there's also a strong sense to this point that Vladimir Putin, the Putin administration wants some version of Wagner indeed needs some version of Wagner. We have to remember they exist to give the Russian state plausible deniability. The need for that does not dissipate just because seven guys are dead. Well, but it does give you a vacuum that you can then fill yourself with your handpicked, Successors, because while it might not be a, an extension, well, it is an extension of the government. Why it might not be a direct wing of the government or branch, 
there's influence there. There's got to be friendlies within the organization, you know, and and maybe this is just Putin rooting out the folks that were starting to kind of buck on him a little bit. And now he's got the ability to insert the people into the situation that he wants to make them back to being his little pet army again. Quite possibly. You know, that's I'm glad you're bringing that up because now there are several options on the table. One. Russia attempts to completely dismantle Wagner. It's possible in a legal sense. It's far less likely in practice, to your point, Matt, given Wagner's entrenched established roles in uh, the African theater. And then the second one, Russia attempts to co-opt, to digest Wagner, right? Let's get rid of the guys who are being a little too loud and let's absorb the rest of the operation in the Ministry of Defense. And this was something that Pergozhin was fighting for quite some time. Uh, one of his big internal rivals was a guy named Sergei Shoigu, who is or Shoigu. We are not native Russian speakers. Uh, he was he's the big guy, the grand pooba of the defense ministry or ministry of defense. And those guys hated each other because they were always try they were always like pissing on each other's fire hydrants, basically. Isn't that what fire hydrants are for? I, you know, they're related to liquid one way or the other. <laughs> they're either getting pissed on or they're shooting stuff out. No, it's true. Isn't that weird, though, when you think about it? Like, why Why is that? Never mind. We can no, conversation for another day. <laughs> so uh, they're mainly their main use now is to establish whether or not you are a robot online. I think just recognize right. that and wheels and motorcycles or whatever <laughs> doors. Yeah. But there's a there's a third option which I think would be ideal for the Kremlin. It's to keep Wagner overall, what you can save of it, as the same thing, but get new leadership. Oh, yeah. By the way, Ben, it just occurred to me, if there were a Kremlin uh, at play, it would be a Kremlin Gremlin. Perfect. I'm just... Perfect. I can't even, no. You have to. <laughs> we agree. You to, must. We agreed to yes and each other a long time ago. Guys. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Dude, really quickly, I went and saw a comedy show the other night with um, Brett Gelman, who plays the conspiracy dude. Yeah. And, yeah. And his solo thing was really good, like his show that he did. No one spoil it, but he wasn't very good at yes anding. He was really into like shutting people down. And that yeah. maybe was kind of his style. Yeah. But uh, it. I, it made me really uncomfortable. That is like, I hadn't been to an improv show in a while. They did like half of the show is improv. And he would just be like, no, that's not how this is going to go. It's going to go like this. Even with would uh, kind of like react, you know, you know, a full disclosure. I know those guys, mm -hmm. even with, uh, even with my buddy, Kevin, I think Kevin was the main dude. And then there was, uh, uh, Amber from, from Archer who was great. Yeah. Everyone was great. And, and Brett was funny, but I just found that it was sort of like, I'm going to do improv a little bit different. <laughs> kind of Welcome to the school of no but. Yes. Uh, well, sorry, to by, sorry to Gelman you. Oh, <laughs> brought to you by Yevgeny Prigozhin, school of improv. Uh, he's not exactly Del Close. So there's, there's this idea that you could change the leadership, keep the experience, right? Keep the hoi polloi, keep the infantry, the rank and file. But if you look at the boffins in these various Western think tanks, they feel this is possible but unlikely. Instead, there's another emergent option, and it's got that kind of new car smell. Why not just engage another Russian-based private military 
corporation or company. Just change the brand name, but just put them into the same job position, the same day-to-day operations. You know, be like, hey, this used to be, uh, you know what? I'll take the pot shots. This used to be Comcast, but now it's Xfinity. Don't worry. We're still in charge of the coup. But I, so there are enough of these outfits around to just do the old switcheroo? Well, no, you just create one, right? You, but that's what Ben's saying. Like, you okay. go, oh, here's the new thing. Wait, 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 create them from what, though? You Obviously, you need this organization because of their manpower and because of their whatever, right? Well, maybe I'm wrong, but Ben, I think that's what you're saying. You create the corporate entity, right? Because all that takes is a bank and uh, an address and a couple other things. Then, then you staff it with your own soldiers? You take this, the Wagner staff. They're all, oh, they're all oh you fired. shuffle them around. You guys are gone. We're dissolving this company. Now, everybody walk over here. Okay, now stand here. Take this corporate T-shirt. But, but, <laughs> but Ben, to your Kurt's uh, judge kind of point earlier, wasn't there a lot of fear and loyalty within the Wagner organization? Like, what, that, isn't that how he got them to march with him against the country that they were supposedly protecting? I just have a hard time believing that all of those people without certain dispensations, you know, would just like do what you're saying. Maybe I'm missing something. I think we're all right. We're all correct in looking at this. What we need to understand is in this sort of bloody business, there are always going to be men like this. There are always going to be forces. There will always be an alternative, right? If the first one doesn't work out, uh, to your point, Noel, and to your point, Matt, there will always be the opportunity to do, you know, the military version of a new LLC. <laughs> Just walk across the street. We got a different office. Uh, give us 15 minutes to sew some new badges on the uniform. The, I, I was looking into, now think tanks are really not something you should trust. Shout out to our pal, Jake. Uh, and shout out to our good friend, Robert Evans. A lot of think tanks, unfortunately, have dirty money or agendas supporting them. And with that being said, if you understand that lens, then we can understand that they are doing very good work. They are very, very intelligent people. Uh, And so I cast no dispersion on some of the folks we're quoting. Uh, Kendall Taylor, Andrea or Andrea Kendall Taylor, is a Russian intelligence expert at the Washington-based Center for New American Security. And say what you want about CNAS, this person She is legit. She's on the money and she's sharp. Uh, And she says she thinks that what's going to happen is parts of Wagner are going to be folded in under the existing Russian structure in some way. And they're going to be sort of sold off. Uh, They're they're no longer going to be one concentrated thing. They're just going to be a bunch of subcontractors, which also makes them more difficult to erase. But Ben, I must I must come back to my previous question. Are, are there are there like a bunch of these types of operations just ready to to hop to? Again, yes, there there will always be men for this sort of job, you know, and it's a good question. It's a disturbing question. More people should ask more often. Our our expert that we mentioned earlier, Kendall Taylor, she notes that Russia's going to continue to use PMCs, private military contractors. The United States is going to continue to mess with Halliburton. They're just going to be spread about in different ways. Like if you, 
the best way to say it is <laughs> the evil way to say it is if you run a shady mercenary army it's a great time to put in an application to uh, to Russia. Just find Vladimir Putin on LinkedIn and say, hey, bud, I, uh, sorry about the planes. I got some stuff going on. This is the kind of thing that keeps Eric Prince, uh, the owner of Academi, wait, XE, wait, Blackwater, wait, Constellus, awake at night, salivating, government contracts. We got to go to the LA Times. They have a great exploration of this. Uh, and Noel, I think this speaks directly to the point that you're raising. Yeah, I think it does, Ben. Uh, in this piece, um, they speak to a Ukrainian open source intelligence company uh, whose business it is to track these types of organizations. Uh, and shockingly, I guess at least to me, um, they track 37 of these types of contractors. And and I guess my question really was, I mean, I totally see what you mean about there are, will always be men they will do stuff like this. But will there be like hundreds of them, thousands of them under a single banner? You know what I mean? Because that to me seemed like what the benefit of Wagner was, was that they were all oh, this, this like, you know, army of scale that could be bought and paid and paid for. It makes me think of like stuff from like, you know, the golden, what are they called? And in, in, in um, Game of Thrones, there was like a whole mercenary army that they hired that was literally a massive army of the scale of like the kind of army a country would have. Yeah, absolutely. You raise a very good point there, man, because uh, in uh, we're thinking about the Golden Company. That's right? it, the Golden yeah. Company. <laughs> yeah, and they were sort of the Wagner of that story. The issue is exactly what you describe, economy of scale. If you look at it now, <clears throat> there are two outfits that are closer to being the next Wagner. One is called Convoy, sadly not affiliated with the amazing song by C.W. McCall. Can we even, can we play a clip? Surely. <laughs> Isn't there a movie too? Isn't there yes. a movie called Convoy? It's like yes. about truck, truck drivers. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, just so Matt, Noel and I, uh, and, and you playing along at home, fellow conspiracy realist, can vibe with this, we're going to play just a short clip of Convoy. Uh, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big fan? Come on. Oh, yeah. Convoy the song is from Convoy the movie. <laughs> so that's Prigozhin, I imagine. 10-4, good buddy. <laughs> Dude, the... The poster of Convoy is so horny. It's like just just ripped Chris Christopherson getting felt up real nice and good by his uh, lady co-star. Mm -hmm. um, for the and, film. Yeah, yeah for, for yeah. the film. But it's also one of those like hand-drawn kind of Indiana Jones type posters. You oh, know? Yeah. So it just has like extra drama. It honestly looks like the cover of like a dime store kind of romance novel. Little steamy. Yeah. Little, little lurid. Uh, Indeed. Yeah, Convoy, the uh, private military contractor, is pretty young. It was established late last year by a guy named Sergei Askyonov, uh, the head of the head of the interim attempt at Russian governance in Crimea and uh, or Crimea. And Putin's administration took over that that bit of land back in 2014. Convoy is right now convoy is the best suited to replace wagner it's run by a guy who used to hang with 
Bogosian, a guy named Konstantin Pikolov. So we got the experience, and that's not the only thing. That's right. Um, Convoy, since forming, has received quite a bit of capital in the form of donations. Sure. Yeah, the quotation fingers and donations, right? Um, untrackable. Uh, there, People are getting something from their donations. Maybe trackable, but the intention, I believe, is is something uh, a, little, a little underhanded here, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Is it a donation or is it an investment? That's right. Uh, a lot of those donations uh, to our whoosh, whoosh sound effect, they came from a bank called VTB, which is mostly owned by the Russian state. Uh, And they came from an oligarch in Putin's network, a guy named Rutenberg. So we've got, second, the connections. If you want to learn more about these connections, check out, of course, Sad Oligarch by our pal Jake, and check out the Dossier Center, which tracks uh, what they see as criminal activity and network associations for the Kremlin. However... There is a Pepsi for every Coca-Cola. And if Convoy is our Coca-Cola, then the Pepsi here is an outfit called Redut. Redut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great article you found in the Eurasian Times talking about how, uh, you know, um, Wagner is out, Redut is in, or Redu, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you know, they're filling that vacuum. There's, there's a power vacuum. I mean, I, I mean, from the moment there was news of the demise, the, I'm still not convinced, the demise of uh, Prigozhin, any of these burgeoning military, you know, extra military organizations must have been just champing at the bit. Yeah, well put, man, because Redut, our Pepsi in the conversation, was uh, involved in action protecting Russian interest in Syria. They're also one of the first forces on the ground in the 2022 Ukraine invasion. There's an immediate problem that arises. Both of these groups, Convoy and Redut, they are tiny, infinitesimal in comparison to Wagner. And Wagner itself pretty small you know it's like at the at the craziest estimate wagner is like fifty thousand operators that's a lot (laughs) what are we talking for rita uh ben do you have a sense of from maybe some of these fractionally uh sized organizations yeah it's 37 guys are you serious (laughs) No, no, because I was in my mind, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean the size of like a really high quality strike force or like SWAT team. Mm, Yeah, they're but we're talking bigger than that, right? Yeah, hundreds. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're bigger. They're in the thousands, both of them, but they're they're not in the 50,000 range. And, you know, unless there's some mercenary version of a merger acquisition, these groups also no matter how many people they have, they don't have the same field experience you find in Wagner. They don't have the people who have shut down um, puppet governments, right? Or instituted their own. Wagner can go toe-to-toe with France in Africa, which is nuts. That is much more Golden Company style. And and Ben, I don't think we've mentioned this in this episode, but I know that we have in the past that one tactic that, you know, know, we talked about how Prigozhin really is kind of a cult of personality or was a cult of personality. Um, So there's some loyalty to him, least of all because he got some folks out of some prison sentences. 
<laughs> in order, you know, for like yeah. a lighter sentence or like a furlough or something, if you fight for his group. Surely these other smaller groups can't offer quite the same unless, again, maybe the goal with uh, Putin is to combine them, rebrand them, and then do some of the same stuff that Prigozhin was doing off books. Oh, yeah, man. And it makes sense, logically. Prigozhin is exceptional because he built Wagner by gathering more than 300 different private companies together, Convoy and Redot, uh, Redot, they cannot say that. Uh, that's part of why Wagner became as much of a cult as it was a mercenary group at the end. And one thing is for sure, the need for something like Wagner exists for the Russian government, which means that need will be satisfied one way or the other by hook or by crook. So with this in mind, the ultimate analysis is the Kremlin will move quickly to contain and stabilize a leaderless Wagner, and that is frag fragmenting, balkanizing as we record this containment, to your point, Noel, whatever form it takes, it will 100% aim to maintain business as usual, force projection, resource extraction, running the coups. And I guess the the thing that keeps sticking in the back of my mind is like, if if Russia is so contained and they kind of answer to no one, barely acknowledge the international community, you know, except as interlopers on what is theirs, why do they need this plausible deniability so much? Is it just in the face of like international courts and war crimes and stuff or when they're poking their nose in places that don't belong to them and stealing resources on behalf of Russia? Russia can basically say, well, I don't know anything about that. We didn't do that. But at the same time, Putin Putin has said openly, you mentioned in the beginning of the show, that they're really good at stealing other people's stuff. So why the plausible deniability? It's an interesting question because at some point, does this not seem like a fig leaf? What, what would you, if you were the president of the United States, what would you say if uh, it turned out that you were not only engaging mercenaries to commit war crimes, but you were also taking people out of your prison system and putting them in the field. This is a question, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, I, I think we, we pause for a word from our sponsor for a moment, and then we return and talk about a very interesting point you brought up, Noel, a convict army. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, Ben. Let's get right to it. What a what a way to attract loyal followers, loyal militants into your group who potentially maybe have some street fighting skills by legally busting them out of jail or prison. <laughs> right. Illegally right. quotation fingers again. A lot of black box stuff going on in this part of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you make the laws, you decide what is legal. Uh, it, it was a huge hit for Western propaganda. The idea that Russian convicts, even those who committed egregious, violent crimes, we're talking sexual assault, murders, you know, crimes against children, not to be too explicit. Those folks were given plea deals, the rumor went, in exchange for joining Wagner, not to be trained as operators, but to function as cannon fodder. And it turned out this was absolutely true. And uh, as a result, you know, when Wagner dissolves, this leads to a situation wherein thousands of criminals are cut loose. To your earlier point, man, about... 1984, this is what Winston Smith would call double plus ungood, but it's still like thousands, thousands, monstrous people roaming free as a bird. Uh, but that still is less, uh, less of a threat than the larger instability issues facing the Russian state and therefore the world very soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of analysts that I've, um, been listening to and, and reading um, think that that this is all kind of a sign of Russia's ultimate weakness, that the reason that Wagner did what they did or that Prigozhin defected in the way he did was because he 
lost faith in the operation. He lost faith in Putin, and he thinks Putin is no longer acting in the best interest of the country. But again, it's you know it's really hard to nail down the motivations of a mercenary. Mm. You know what I mean? He, he's mm. not acting on some sort of like you know taking a stand for what's right. Exactly. He's just uh, basically saying the winds have shifted. You know, we are here to get paid and and make sure that we have the stuff we need. We think maybe Putin's not the guy to do that anymore or something. I don't know. But there is a lot of questioning about whether Putin's kind of grasp is slipping. Right. Allegations of dementia, allegations of possible uh, terminal deteriorating nervous system conditions, right? Uh, also, in Prigozhin, I think we see a real-life version of a Colonel Kurtz. You know, uh, for fans of Heart of Darkness or for people who watch Apocalypse Now, the thing about Kurtz is that he becomes a personification of war. He doesn't really want the war to end, Right. And you could say the same about Prigozhin. Like, to your point, Noel, what are the guy's ultimate aims? What were they? You know, did he want a peaceful, happy world? Or did he want the blood and treasure and the experience of chasing that? It's a scary thing. Uh, the big, I guess, from Wagner's perspective and from the Russian perspective, their big moment in the sun was the taking of Bakhmut, uh, the city in Ukraine, in eastern Ukraine. And unfortunately, even if you erase Wagner from the board, the war in Ukraine will continue. The Putin administration is definitely scrambling to try to maintain their grip on various resources on the African continent and in the Middle East. But even without Wagner, they still have enough capability to continue this conflict. But their capabilities are finite. Uh, Russia is a collapsed state. It is a kleptocracy. Uh, that's a problem. You know, you would think maybe that if you are not Russia or if you are opposed to Russia, it'd be very good for that state to collapse. It would mean you win the game. But the problem is because Russia has never hesitated to pay blood for treasure, it still has one more move to pull a very dangerous move because Russia is a nuclear capable state. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I, I was, I heard some stats recently about like the, the amount of certain military gear that they possess in terms of tanks and ships and whatever. And it's pretty negligible, like compared to what the U S and NATO and all that stuff has, like it, it really pales in comparison. Uh, that's also partially Probably another reason why they need to beef up their military support with hiring these types of groups. But what 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 does change the calculation entirely is their arsenal of, of, of nuclear weapons, their, their nuclear submarines and their ability to hit most of Europe directly from, mm -hmm. from where they are. You know, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. I mean, like, you know, I went to Berlin a couple of years ago. God, it's, it's been almost two years now. And uh, a member of our party who was going to go. It was right when the Ukraine war started and they opted not to come because there is that wild card loose cannon energy around Putin that he would do some wild <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, and he said it. What do they call it, Ben? Saber rattling? 
Yeah. You know, that kind sure. of stuff. And that's that's the piece that he possesses, his ability to continue to leverage all this stuff is that they have the nukes. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, that reminds me of that old Arby's commercial. We have where's the, the nukes. nukes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, where's the beef for Wendy's? Yeah. So that's that's the big elephant in the room, right, of the globe, which is could there be a nuclear exchange? The three biggest powers in the world geopolitically right now are uh, what we could call the Russian crew, which would be Iran, Syria, North Korea, DPRK, maybe Venezuela, uh, if you want to put that in. And then there would be the West, NATO, the U.S., a couple others. They're they're trying to hit on India real hard. We'll see how it works out. And then the the third being China, you know, bricks on bricks on bricks. Uh, these three primary powers, to be very clear with everyone, save you some time if you ever want to study international affairs in college, this is what you need to know. Those three primary world powers are right now all run by pretty elderly, pretty wild-ass dudes. They do not give a f- yeah, same kind of, I mean, you know, I would count Prigozhin as one of those elderly, wild-ass dudes who is just <sighs> larger than life, you know? I mean, you don't get into that business of death dealing, you know, unless you've got, I don't know, man, you got something, something going on, you know? I mean, these are people that have been part of the kinds of secret operations that maybe the KGB would have been involved in, you know, people that have... Uh, served in, in a very different way from what we may think of as military service, you know, here in the United States, I, mm. I would, I would think, you know, mm-hmm. not, not right. to say that the United States military service and like, you know, we do some dirt too, no question about it, but you know, we know what the KGB gets up to. I mean, they're notoriously ruthless. And I would assume that a uh, regime run by the former head of the KGB is going to deploy some of those types of tricks and some of that kind of ruthless mentality. And then those are the types of people that are going to gravitate towards a man like that. Yeah, very well said. You know, while while these three large categories of powers are not adverse to a little enemy of my enemy is my friend action, those relationships are the equivalent of one-night stands. Both China and the United States know that they will get a big win if Russia falls. And Russia knows that they know that, so it's super awkward. That's why if you dig just a bit, you'll see some strange bedfellow situations. We were talking about this, uh, Matt, Noel, and I were talking about this off air a little while back. The U.S. just specifically warned North Korea not to aid Russia and uh, the leader of North Korea, or DPRK, is about is about to visit Vladimir Putin in person and talk about working together. And then Russia, for their side, they specifically warned Uncle Sam not to bring nukes over to the United Kingdom, which means it's time for old. Uh, who's who's in charge of that place now? Who's it's the king, right? I guess I've lost track. Too much stuff going on over here to keep track of those those Brits. But um, yeah, Kim, you know th- that seems fine, right? Putin and and Kim, sure, together again. You yeah, know? 
They're just watching Police Academy like they do. Match made in fascist heaven. (laughs) There it is. I mean, really, they they heart each other. I mean, I I mean, seriously, that that sounds terrifying. Mm -hmm. That sounds double plus plus triple plus ungood, bad, bad, not good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, think about this. What what does all this show us? It shows us when we look at these conspiracies, which are not theories. For the most part, when we look at these conspiracies, it teaches us that the post-Wagner world is not going to be much different at first. There's one counterintuitive puzzle piece. Russia losing its Halliburton escalates the danger for the continuation of the Russian state. And when the Russian state feels endangered, it is increasingly likely to consider some moves that would otherwise not be seriously considered, you know? Well, it's also like you have to think about the state of Putin's mind and and how he views his legacy. And is he the kind of guy that knowing that he's on the way out, why not just hit the big red button? You know what I mean? Oh, Mm -hmm. dude, he's totally going to hit that button. You think (laughs) so? You no. gotta wonder. I no. don't know. I mean, I wonder. You know. I mean, it scares me. You're right. It, it, it's scary, but but also it, it makes me think. Um, what we do know, it, it would appear that this whole situation with Wagner, uh, it was legit, and it was as a result of people in high up people in that organization thinking that what Putin was doing wasn't good and was no longer serving their interests. I have a hard time believing these small organizations won't feel similarly, but they also might just look at it as an opportunity to become something larger than what they are and therefore be like, yes, daddy, all day long. Sure, perhaps until uh, they find a new higher paying daddy. The, the, way that, the way that this kind of stuff works, like the, um, the honest conspiracy realist perspective on a a Russia faced with an existential threat and the likelihood of using nukes, it's not publicized as Vladimir Putin pushing, you know, a cartoon uh, cartoon button or picking up a red landline phone and saying, duh, or whatever. It's more like... Uh, Dimitri, na- Dimitri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. You know, tell them there are no car washes in Crimea or whatever. Instead, it's... Uh, it's a quote unquote, totally not associated with Russia, private military contractor that somehow quote unquote, illegally acquires a low yield nuclear device, you know, kind of like a bunker buster. And then Russia again is the guy in the hot dog costume going, we have to find who's responsible for this. Or you could have a proxy force on the outside of the global order already. Think of Pyongyang, think of Tehran, uh, and they rain fire. In the case of North Korea, maybe it comes from their newly minted, apparently nuclear-capable submarine. And the entire time that stuff happens, if it ever happens, and let's hope it doesn't, the entire time that happens, the Russian state officially can sound like that old Shaggy song. Do you guys remember? That shaggy it song. It was on me. Yeah. They're banging in the shower uh-huh. and all over the place, all over the, all over the apartment. On the kitchen table? It hey, wasn't no, no, him, no, no, no. though. 
They were both butt naked, bang, banging on the bathroom floor. It's a real catchy bop. You almost have to like sing the whole thing in your head. The best part is that. How could I? The workaholics guys made a movie where he shows up, and I think he was going to have to sing that song. I think it was Shaggy. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. Uh, Former go- Marine, by the way. Yes, guys. Right. Uh, sorry for being asked and jumping back in, but like w- we've never faced. Let me rephrase this. Since the Cold War, right, and the tensions occurring there, we've never had a global superpower facing a seriously existential annihilating threat, right, to where they are backed. Any any force has been backed into a corner to where they feel like if we do not use everything we have, we as a country will be extinct. Um, and it, I don't think we're anywhere near that with Russia right now. So hopefully that situation isn't going to come to fruition anytime soon. Um, it does feel like, I don't know, it, it, if to me that feels way off in the distance, like not possible because humanity will prevail in their thought of humanity needs to survive even if my country doesn't kind of thing. I really hope, I really, really hope that's the situation where I just think Putin's big enough of an asshole to not think like that, especially if, you know, with the, the, the unilateral nature of his power, you know, that he's bestowed upon himself and the ability for him not to have to get sign off from others, that if he did have some sort of mental, you know, breakdown or, or deterioration, that something very, very scary could happen. I mean, I'm not trying to freak anybody out. I'm just, I, I think about this, you know, it, it does. But I, I agree with you, Matt, you know, that we're it's certainly not this, as bad as the Cold War, but in some ways it's scarier because this is a person at the end of his life or at the end of his legacy who really wants to make an impact. It reminds me a little bit of the Ottoman Empire. Thank goodness, uh, you guys remember back in the day, like, thank goodness they did not have nuclear capability People weren't really talking about nukes back then, but, but you're right that it's not to that point yet. The issue is that it, the, the issue is that the instability escalates and right now, as weird as it counterintuitive again, as it may sound, the reality is simply this. There is a solid case that the chaos Wagner spread during its heyday may well end up being less dangerous than the chaos spread by its death throes. And that's not saying that either case is in any way good. It's just saying there's bad and then there's worse or there's worse and then there's worse and worse and then, you know, dead hand because Putin woke up with a bad day in a case of the craps. You know? Trippity dippity dub dub dubs double plus <laughs> ungood bad bad bad. Quite so. <laughs> I mean, for now, okay, we have to do it. It is our want. It is our remit in this continuing mission, folks. We have to give you what the Kremlin officially says. They deny any speculation that they or Vladimir Putin directly ordered Prigozhin's death. It's unfortunate. They're investigating. That's the official line. You know, there are some neo-Nazis in Ukraine, they say that are probably responsible, right? Because that's, that's a line from the start, right? Right, right. That's Their justification for invading. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And while the form of Wagner's future role in Ukraine is still under question, it will continue operations elsewhere uh, in the Middle East, in the African continent, 
Uh, and those operations, as balkanized or fragmented as they may become, they are in frantic communication with the Russian Ministry of Defense. The names of the war may change. The names of the chess pieces may evolve. Is that a castle? Is it a rook? I'll tell you what, they do the same thing. From Kiev to Moscow, from Bamako to Bangi, Bangi, if you wish, uh, we can't make any mistake. The great game continues, and it does so at the expense of innocent people all around the world. This is our Wagner update. You know, if you if you work for Wagner, write to us. Can I just add one little thing? We talked about this off mic, and I think it's so fringy that it's almost not worth mentioning, but I do think it's interesting. There's a guy by the name of Professor Valery Solove, um, who has apparently had a relationship with the Russian media for some time, making some would say quite outrageous claims and has been cast as a bit of a conspiracy nut. Um, but he has said openly uh, a couple of things. One, that Prigozhin is in fact not dead, but living uh, on an island in Venezuela called Margarita Island, which is also where Jimmy Buffett is living. He didn't actually die either. They're hanging out there together, sipping margs. I'm kidding about the second part. It's both probably kidding level. But this guy has also claimed that Putin is on death's door. Like, um, he claims to have supporting documents saying, leaked, leaked documents saying that uh, Putin is so ill that he might not last the year. So, yeah. Definitely worth a little bit of rabbit-holing on this guy, Professor Valerie Solovey. Largely uh, a fringy, debunked kind of figure, but I did think it was interesting. It came up in a couple spots. How do you spell that last name? Uh, it is S-O-L-O-V-E-Y. So, again, the most important thing to remember from this episode, from this update, are two things. If you are affiliated with Wagner, if you're affiliated with PMCs in general, and you know what I'm talking about, then do feel free to write to us. We would love to hear from you. Second, actually flip it. The most important thing, innocent people who have no opportunity to make a choice here, they will suffer the results of, of these great powers of these pretty elderly, pretty wild ass dudes once again. Uh, making decisions for their version of a greater good, however bubbled, attenuated, narrowed that may be. We want to hear from you. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, and and just let us know. Like, let us know what you think the future is here. You know, if you uh, <laughs> if you have some opinions on uh, on the safety of aircraft, we'd love to hear that too. We try to be easy to find online. Correct. You can find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff, where we exist on X-Nay Twitter. X-Nay on the Interway. Um, you can also find us at that handle on Facebook and on YouTube. That's, again, Conspiracy Stuff. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Hey, do you like using your phone to make calls? Why not call us? Our number is... 1-833-STD-WYTK. When you call in, you've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Just make sure to give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we have permission to use your name and voice on the air. If you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We read everything we get. We are Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.